Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. I'm not sure where I got this idea, but for most of my life, I assumed that practice equals repetition, and that the more perfect repetitions I could do, whether that meant playing slowly, with rhythms, or with a metronome or tuner, the better I'd ultimately play. I quietly, and sometimes not so quietly, resented this kind of practicing because it all felt like a chore, like having to do a bunch of the same type of math problems over and over again. Fortunately, research in the last few decades tells us that practice doesn't have to look like this. More accurately, that practice probably shouldn't look like this, and that simply maximizing the number of repetitions we can fit into a given period of time doesn't make for better learning, and that effective practice is much more challenging, in a good way, and also engaging than regular old repetition-based practice. For instance, there's a study that came out a few years ago which got some attention because it suggested that we may be able to double our rate of learning. At first glance, it's one of those things that sounds way too good to be true. But on the other hand, wouldn't it be nice if there really was a way? So in this 2016 study, 86 participants were split into three groups and trained in a sequential visuomotor isometric pinch task, or SVIPT. Yeah, I know that sounds pretty technical, but basically it just entailed learning how to use a little doohickey that controls the placement of a cursor on a computer screen based on how hard you squeeze it, which basically just sounds like the most annoying mouse in the world. In any case, everyone got 120 practice attempts and then they left the lab. Six hours later, two of the groups came back to the lab for a second training session. The third group was the control group, so they didn't have a second training session. Oh, and why six hours later? Well, in much the same way that it takes Jell-O a few hours to set in the fridge, our brain needs a few hours to consolidate our new experience into long-term memory. So they wanted to let the memory stabilize a little bit before bringing them back for more training. You'll see why in a second. Anyhow, both groups were given 15 practice attempts to get reacquainted with the squeezy mouse thing, and then they resumed with their training. The second training session was pretty much like the first one in that both groups practiced the same skill for another 120 practice attempts. However, while group 1's controller remained the same, group 2's controller was modified slightly. 
Specifically, the amount of pressure that was needed to move the cursor kept changing from one practice attempt to the next. Not enough for them to notice, but enough to force them to constantly make subtle adjustments in order to maintain a high level of speed and accuracy. It would be like if the amount of force you needed to turn the steering wheel in your car changed every time you made a turn. The next day, all three groups came back to the lab for a testing session to see which group improved the most from the first session to the last. The big winner was group two, the group which had to make those continuous subtle adjustments in the second training session. Their performance improved nearly twice as much as group one, which is a group that simply repeated the same exact task again in their second training session. Furthermore, there was no significant difference in improvement between group one and the control group from the first training session to the test, so it's almost like group one might as well have not even bothered to practice again. So why did group two improve so much more than group one? Could it be simply because they had to practice a task with more variability thrown in? As it turns out, it doesn't seem like that's the reason. The researchers had another group go through the same training program, but made them do the variable practice in their first training session instead of the second. And lo and behold, this did not have the same effect. Group two, which is that group that did the variable practice in the second training session, still improved by more. They even tried putting a group through variable practice in both training sessions. And here too, group two still came out ahead. It seems that there is something about learning a skill waiting for it to stabilize a bit, and then coming back to it for more practice, but with a slightly modified set of parameters that strengthens the learning of the original skill. The authors explain that this has to do with how memories are formed and edited, a set of processes called consolidation and reconsolidation. The gist is that when new skills are learned, the memory is initially pretty fragile and takes a few hours to set, which is a process known as consolidation. But these memories are not necessarily set in stone. It's kind of like opening a Word document that has been sitting in some forgotten corner of your hard drive for years. So whenever we retrieve a memory, it is temporarily susceptible to being edited, modified, or in the case of this study, strengthened before it sets once again, but in a slightly different way. And this is that process of reconsolidation. So what does this all mean for us? Well, there are a number of interesting takeaways from this study, but here are the top three that come to mind for me. Number one, reconsolidation. It appears that we have the ability to boost our learning if we A, wait for the new skill we're working on to consolidate a bit, and then B, return to that skill and try to achieve the same or even higher level of performance, but force ourselves to make adjustments by using a slightly different tension on our bow or a different bow altogether, or slightly different mallets, or piano with slightly lighter or heavier touch, and so forth. Something that makes the task slightly more challenging and forces us to explore a wider range of the possible motor movements that are available to us. The second takeaway has to do with flexibility and individual differences, because there were some individual differences in how beneficial the variable practice was in strengthening learning. The folks who benefited most from this training were the ones who were the best at making adjustments and maintaining a high level of accuracy despite the fluctuations and grip pressure required to control the cursor. Where rather than doggedly sticking with the same old way of squeezing the cursor controller, they explored new strategies in order to maintain their level of performance. There's one last thing to keep in mind. So before we all get too excited and start making plans to half our practice time, It's important to note that this study looked at our ability to strengthen a new skill by leveraging the reconsolidation process. 
So it's not clear how well or if this would work on skills that have already become well ingrained. And I also don't know that you can expect to double your progress day in and day out, but for new music or skills that you're working on, this certainly sounds like a strategy worth experimenting with. You can find links to this week's study and other resources at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.